Show number 107 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Track Movie Edition. Well, well, here we are. Here we are, and folks, spoilers galore spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahoy, even. Ahoy, even. <laughs> Dead ahead. Um, backup, or whatever the official command is for backup, backer off, Mr. Sulu. Yeah. Um, if you have not yet seen the movie, because that's what we're talking about. That's and all we're, we're talking about, pretty yes. much. And uh, we're going to be just talking freely, and so there are going to be plenty of spoilers. <sighs> spoilers everywhere. Let me just say a couple of things that are sort of indirectly related to the movie. Okay. Um, number one is that um, I have a Twitter account. Ooh, so exciting. Um, and, and it's my name. It's just Lena Taylor. If you go to Twitter, you can look mm-hmm. for it. And um, I've been putting things into the, the, you can automatically have stuff go into your Twitter. So whenever we post a new show or if there's a new blog put up, it goes into my Twitter. So people oh, cool. who are following me on Twitter can immediately see that we have a new post at the blog. And we have been uh, <laughs> blogging. I was going to count how many blog posts there were for the month of May so far oh, and I it's insane it, it's just every day multiple it. times every day so just for people who want to know what's going on um, I also have stuff going in there for my comics podcast but since I don't update that as frequently it's mostly stuff for look at his butt so anyway you can check there okay um, another thing that I'm doing is I signed up for this cool little service called audio boo not, not audiobook, it's audioboo. Okay. And what it is is um, a service that kind of works like uh, Twitter is like a mini blog. Mm-hmm. Audioboo is like a mini podcast. So basically you can record up to about five minutes worth of audio and then you upload it and then people can listen to it. And the notification for that also goes into Twitter. Oh. So what I've been doing is just um, some fun stuff when I've been out and doing stuff and I did it right before we went to see the movie. But I've also been keeping a tally of um, the toys that I've been getting from Burger King. Oh, okay. So every time I get a new toy from Burger King, I record an audio boo. So it's my Star Trek toy score. Okay. And I brought the toys today because I wanted you to see. Now they all make noise, and that's, of course, part of the audio boo is recording the noise that comes with right, the Right, right. So, um, I can run through them very quickly. Okay. This is the Kirk one. Now I played this one for you and Maynard when we talked with him. Right. See, doesn't he look surprised? He actually looks like a guy I know. <laughs> But not Chris Pine. No, he looks like Benjamin Pither. <laughs> he does look like Benjamin Pither. Oh, my God. And he, he does this very bad Kirk thing. It sounds like this. I can understand it better now than I could when we were talking yeah. to Maynard. But it doesn't sound like Kirk to Enterprise. It sounds like Kirk Enterprise. Yeah. Like somebody punched him right when he was saying Kirk Maybe Enterprise. somebody did. So, yeah, he does look like Benjamin Pither. You're absolutely right. So here's that one. Then I just got the Spock one. I don't even know what the Spock one says. So let's listen. A rescue attempt would be illogical. Okay. Okay. And um, he sort of looks like Zachary Quinto, I guess. Let and me see. He's got his little tiny hand in a Vulcan yeah, salute. Yeah, yeah. With his so little tiny super glue. Yeah. And then we got a shuttlecraft. Oh, <laughs> it's a fire hydrant. No, no. And it says. Approaching drop zone. So this was, that, that's the voice of Captain Pike. Oh, okay. When they were dropping them down onto the drill. Oh, okay. That's what it is. Oh, okay. And here, do you want to hold it? Yeah. Oops. I know. It's like the button is right on top. So every time you pick it up, you end up. Yeah, I can see them peeking out the window there. Yeah, Yeah, you like that? And then this one, of course, is the Enterprise. (laughs) No, no, no. It looks (laughs) like a bunt pan. (laughs) If you hold it by the nacelles, 
This looks like a baking pan. Uh, what does the Enterprise say? That's it. It just makes a whooshy noise. Oh, I forgot the other one. I actually have a tricorder. Um, oh, the one that looks like a jukebox. Yeah, yeah. And I forgot to bring it. Um, what does it say? It's in my house somewhere. I forget what it says. It oh. makes some noises. But yeah, so I'm collecting these. It's, it's really kind of cool. And I also got two of the... Um, collectible glasses that mm -hmm. Burger King has. So I got one that's Nero and I got a, a Pike, uh, sorry, um, uh, Kirk glass. Okay. And I'm going to try to get the other ones as well. They're still in their cardboard boxes. <laughs> Minting cardboard. Minting cardboard, yeah. Okay. So that's what I've been doing. So I just wanted to let people know about those two things. Just another way to keep up with us and all the wonderfulness of us that goes on. Great. Well, to start with the movie, yes. I want to first interview you. Oh, okay. Because you went on yes. opening day at That's an true. IMAX theater, mm -hmm. and I was unable to go then, so I saw it a few days later. So before you talk about the movie itself, I want to hear about the crowd, the vibe, the whole experience of, of opening day. Well, um, I went to see it in San Francisco at the Metreon, which is the big theater there. And the show that I was going to was the um, one of the early ones on, on Friday, and it was sold out. Mm -hmm. um, and there were a lot of people who wanted to get in and couldn't get in, so they had to end up buying tickets for the other showings that were later in the day. So um, I, it had sold out, I guess, the day before even. So there were a lot of people who wanted to go. Um, and it was mostly geeks, I would say. There weren't too many people there who looked like they didn't know anything about Star Trek. I mean, you can just kind of tell by mm -hmm. looking at people sometimes. Nobody was dressed up. Really? I didn't see any, you know, Klingons or other people. There were people wearing Star Trek shirts, mm -hmm. um, but not in a really overtly fanish way. It just, they were there. Um, a lot of, you know, pasty white guys. <laughs> a mostly youngish crowd? So that they are perhaps not original viewers no, of the original series? It was about half and half. Uh -huh. There was a good number of older people there, I would say. Uh, and... Everybody was, I mean, there was definitely a vibe. Like, people were very excited for uh -huh. it. And, of course, since it was IMAX, there was, like, endless commercials. And every time something would go, people were like, start the movie! So <laughs> there was a lot of impatience <clears throat> happening as people were waiting for the movie to start. Um, and I was surprised. The crowd was kind of subdued throughout the movie. Mm -hmm. There was not a lot of cheering and shouting, although people did clap at the end when the Romulan ship got blown up. Mm -hmm. Um but it wasn't fanatical. I mean, I've been to other movies where people were very vocal and applauded and stuff like that. And at the show, in, in mid-movie, yeah, yeah. And, and wow, yeah, there was a lot of laughter. I mean, people yes. did laugh loudly at mm -hmm. the funny parts. Um, and I heard a couple times when there was obviously something in the movie that was a, an in joke. There were people who, even a couple times, some people went oh, like, like, oh, they said that thing or they did that thing, you know, like, oh. Thrilling, you know. So there, there was that. In fact, the guy next to me said it. I can't remember what he said it about, but there was some moment when he just went oh, like that. It was really cool. <laughs> See, we've all got our little fanish yeah, things because exactly. I was picking up things from various fanfics, uh -huh. you know, oh, yeah. as I was watching yeah. it. So the so for me, um, the one time where I actually went, oh my god, like like to myself. Oh, okay. I, I but out loud, but very. I just went, oh my god, like that because Logan was sitting next to me, was when Spock and Uhura were doing their thing in, in the turbo lift, because I was just astounded. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. <laughs> we stayed till the end of the credits. Not that many people stayed. Um, I stayed through the playing of the whole theme song. Yeah, oh yeah, I mean, I just wanted to see if there was anything at the end, like a little spoiler, 
or a little something else that was going to happen. Um, but there weren't that many people that stayed all the way till the end. Most people got up and left. And they were kind of encouraging people to leave because they had to yeah. clean it up for the next IMAX show. But screw that. You know, I was going to stay as long as I wanted to. <laughs> well, I saw it uh, Monday afternoon. Uh -huh. And I went to our local Googleplex, which is not in San Francisco. And it was playing in their biggest theater, which I do not believe I've ever been in mm -hmm. before. And there were like me and 10 people. So, you know, there wasn't this, this crowd vibe and mm -hmm. thing. But, you know, it was really, I was kind of having like this, this flashback to when I saw Wrath of Khan. Mm -hmm. Because I didn't see that till well into its run. And, um, and I went alone. And the theater was still packed. But the whole thing of, of, of just being there on my own in my little trek <laughs> trip. You know, my little mental thing going on. Mm -hmm. It was because everyone, every single movie after that I've seen with somebody. This is the first one I've seen alone mm -hmm. since Wrath of Khan. And um, it was a different experience, you know, in, but good in, mm -hmm. in its own way to see it like that. Yeah. Well, let's just say we're not going to recap the plot because if you, you just need to see it, there's no point in us telling you what happened. Right. <laughs> so um, my. <laughs> My overall impression at the end of the movie, um, like, I thought there were parts of it that were really, this is what I said to you on the phone when mm -hmm. I called you, there are parts of it that I thought were really, really good, there are parts of it that really bugged me, and I feel better now, like, I was just really confused for the whole weekend. I literally spent the whole weekend thinking about this. Mm -hmm. Like, what is my reaction? How do I really feel right. about this? Because it was a huge thing, and my... my overall confusion at the end was very much a Norman coordinate moment. Like, I just couldn't wrap my mind about it because, on the one hand, it was clearly Trek. You know, it, it had all of the Trek things in it, but it wasn't Trek in so many other ways. Right. And, and trying to make those two things meet in my head was really hard. I think I've got a better handle on it now, but that was just a real thing where I, I was having a, such a hard time putting them together and just saying to myself, okay... This guy who's Kirk is not the same guy who was Kirk in the original series. I have to let go of that. I can't mm -hmm. think that it's him or that it's wrong. It just is. It is what it is, and they're not going to change it. And so I have to deal with what it is and not wish that it was something else. Now, my initial reaction at the end of the movie, because I have pretty much had the opposite experience of you, which was, wow, that was great. That was lots of fun. And then I have been thinking about it for days and days and days. <laughs> and... I'm starting to think that this movie for me is going to be kind of like the first Star Wars movie, the one that came out in the 70s, mm -hmm. which was I went and saw that, knew nothing about it, and had an absolute blast. Mm -hmm. The second, or a month later, I saw it with a bunch of people who hadn't seen it yet. And the second time through, it didn't hold up. Mm -hmm. And I'm starting to think that unlike many of the other Trek movies that I so love, this is not going to... Um, to have more depth upon mm. repeated viewings. Mm -hmm. But I do want to really start start out here at the beginning by saying I had a fantastic time. But I think because in my mind, I was relating it very much to fanfic. Mm -hmm. And to me, it was like a really good fanfic. Mm -hmm. There were things they got so right. And then yes. there were things 
that were wrong and there were plot holes and you knew that if you and I know you have you and I both have if you've ever beta read for somebody mm -hmm. you would be pointing these things oh, out yeah, to them yeah, of course but they didn't have the benefit of us no they didn't so I think in my mind I was relating it to to fanfic and thinking this is like the best fanfic I've seen yeah. in a long time. <laughs> yeah, especially when compared with um, the the new voyages, you know, with Elvis Kirk. Know. You know, it's it's way beyond that. Um, but here's what happened to me. So my my own personal thing, I hate when this happens because it's happened to me with other movies too. Is that right at the beginning of the movie, something happened that was so unbelievable? I went fucking a. This is stupid. <laughs> And what was it that set off that reaction? Why was a pregnant woman on a starship? Why would they do that? That makes no sense. It made me so angry. I was sitting there like, okay, he's married. They've never shown families on starships, ever. That doesn't happen. They didn't do that until TNG. She's nine months pregnant. They couldn't drop her off at a star base or something like mm -hmm. that. Why would she be on a starship with her husband going into deep space exploration that makes no sense at all well and 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 the thing is we are supposed to i believe accept that that moment when when the neurata came through yeah. the black hole that's where the timeline split mm -hmm. yeah so everything up until then yeah. that's what you're supposed should to be think. true yeah. i mean it should be as we have as we have learned it yes. from the holy books from the holy books yes <laughs> and the before time <laughs> at the time of the beginning so, yeah. I mean, you could come up with excuses. You could say they were so far out. Blah, 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 blah. blah, blah. blah. See, that's yeah. it. it's like hand-waving. Oh, well, you know, there's some reason. But when you come down to it, that does not make any sense right. at all. Right. So that just ruined that whole thing for me. It's like, oh, all the drama of Kirk being born when, you know, there's this battle. It's like, that's stupid. I couldn't buy that whole thing at all. Mm -hmm. And it had no drama for me. I couldn't get into it at all because of that one thing. And mm. I just sat there like, this is really fucking stupid. And then <laughs> I couldn't, like, and it actually took me that long to get back into the movie. So the next part is when they cut to Spock, mm -hmm. when he's growing up on Vulcan. And then I was like, oh, okay, I like this part. This <laughs> now is that, good. That was the part where I just was so wishing you were with me. Because when those three kids came up oh, to that him, was hilarious. all I could think was, Earthling, earthling, <laughs> rotten from your birthling. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it was like they read that comic book and put that in there. It really was. And I think they were playing it for laughs. I mean, it, it clearly was not meant to be, you know, angsty Spock. It was more like a bunch of little uh, hooligans having a fight. Uh -huh. And that made me laugh. And I was like, okay, this is all right. And then I really liked Winona Ryder as Amanda. I thought she was very good. Well, here's the thing. When she showed up, you first saw her in profile. Mm -hmm. She has the weirdest tits ever. It's that weird costume. Was it the costume? It was the because costume. They she has square tits. Square. I know. And I was like, oh, my God. And I think that threw me so bad that until the end of the movie, I didn't know it was Winona Ryder oh. when I saw the credits. Oh. Well, I knew it was supposed to be her. And, yeah, I was wondering about the square tits, too. But it was just the weird costume they put her in. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that was about. But I thought the whole, like, all the stuff on Vulcan really worked for me. I, I It seemed like it was in keeping with what we know, I liked the fact that when Spock refuses his position at the Vulcan Science Academy, you know, the Vulcans, the Vulcan High Council, in fact, are snobby and look mm -hmm. down on humans. And very Tapawish. Very. And I thought that was really good because that's always been kind of an undercurrent of Vulcan. Mm -hmm. And you don't see it very often, although people have done a good job of bringing it out in fanfic that we Oh, yes. Read. And I'm glad that they, they put that into the movie that, you know, to a large extent... With all their, you know, 
lack of emotion and all that, the Vulcans really are looking down mm -hmm. their noses at everybody else. And right. That was good. So I like that. I like that too. I um, now I know, I liked and and uh, and also was a little surprised at what they did with Sarek. Mm -hmm. um, when he first appeared, I it, it wasn't just that they'd done his hair perfect. Mm -hmm. He he totally. Uh, was like channeling Mark Leonard. I Definitely. thought it was amazing. But it was very surprising to see how warm and supportive that yeah. relationship was. Yeah. And uh, that is going to be interesting to watch yeah. and to watch for because that has been a running theme, mm -hmm. even into TNG, of Spock's relationship oh, yeah. with his father and how oh, troubled yeah. it was. Yeah. And, and they never mind-melded in the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So... That's very different. I, I like that. I'm glad that they put a twist on it. I thought it was yeah. It was they the did right put some good do. twists on things, and yeah. um, I've been discussing this back and forth with um, Wildcat, and uh, and so she, of course, you know, being a, a fan ficker too, like us, is already trying to make the connections <laughs> of what about the Nerada caused this change in. Mm -hmm. In Sarek, you know, and I was saying, well, I think it's like the butterfly effect oh, and yeah. the, the six degrees and no man is an island and all of those things. He would not have had to personally know or have lost or have somebody have died there who would have come into his life later for it to still ripple to the point where mm -hmm. he is a different Vulcan than yeah. he was. Yeah. Just like Kirk is a different human than he was. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Although Kirk directly was very directly affected by it. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I really liked that they they did that. And um, I, the actor, Ben Cross, I was like, oh, Chariots of Fire. Um, you know, mm -hmm. he, he, he was very good as an actor. He was very good. And I loved that they worked in the line about, he didn't actually say it was the logical thing to do, but it was close enough. It was close, yeah, yes. Yeah, that was really yes. good. And then later on to have him actually say to Spock, I married her because I loved her. Mm -hmm. It was just so touching. That was a wonderful scene. Yeah. Really, really wonderful. And especially when he says it, I think it's clear that he knows about Spock's relationship with Uhura. Mm -hmm. and, and he's giving him a message there, too, I think. I hadn't thought of that. That's, yeah. that's an interesting idea. Yeah. You know, I'm like they haven't talked about it, but he must mm -hmm. know because everybody seems to kind of know what's going on. But it, it just seemed nice that he could... He could bring, he could talk about that emotion and without it being like a horribly painful discussion because it wasn't a painful discussion. It was just a discussion that they were right. having and he says it and that's okay and then things kind of move on from there. So, Well, one of the things that, um, that really pleased me about this movie was um, I felt in many ways it had more emotional texture to it mm. than space adventure movies usually do, mm -hmm. which is a, a hallmark of Trek. Yeah. But it's like... They were so audacious in some of the things they did. The Spock Uhura. Mm. I'm going to give away the big spoilers right now. Yeah. They destroyed Vulcan. Yeah. It's gone. Yeah. Amanda's dead. Mm -hmm. I, you know, those are, those are huge things. But then there were also the little subtle twists, like yeah. you've just talked about, about Sarek being slightly different. Spock, in many ways, is more of a, 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 a wholly formed being than yeah. Kirk is in yes. this and in the old one it was the relationship with Kirk that enabled Spock to embrace his uniqueness as an individual mm -hmm. and this is is the opposite so they did some some subtle things and they did some very ballsy things I mean I know I was going they're not 
they're not destroying Vulcan. <laughs> oh, please, they're not destroying Vulcan. Holy fuck, they destroyed Vulcan. I mean, I just couldn't even believe that. Yep, yeah, that, was, that was a truly amazing thing for them to do. I, I, it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. Now, it's, I was saying to you, this is so funny that I was editing our last podcast recently, yes. and we had that whole discussion about how in Star Wars they blow up Leia's planet and nobody seems to give a fuck about it. And in this movie, they did it the right way. I mean, they showed something really, really horrible and genocidal happen, and then there were repercussions, and people talked about it through the rest of the movie. Spock says it several times. He's like, I'm a member of an endangered species, and there's like only 10,000 Vulcans left, and at the end he almost leaves to go be Mm -hmm. on this new Vulcan colony. So it's not like it happened and everybody forgot, like in Star Wars. And the other thing is, in Star Wars, what was Princess Leia's planet to us? Yeah. Nothing. Green screen. Mm -hmm. We, as fans, as longtime fans have this vested interest mm-hmm. in Vulcan, in Vulcan as an entity and as part of the, the, the whole tapestry mm-hmm. of Trek. And I really think, it, that's why I say it was so ballsy of them, first of all, to do something like that, but to so blatantly send the message, expect the unexpected. Mm-hmm. I agree. We're giving you Trek, and it's going to be good Trek, it's not Berman Trek, but it's not what you're expecting. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And, and I thought that they, the times that they did that, um, it, was, it was really, really good. Now, um, the, so the, mo- the moment at the beginning pissed me off. <laughs> and I got over it, so that was okay. <laughs> the other completely inexplicable thing just made me laugh. Because it was a Galaxy Quest moment. So now you had asked me via email mm-hmm. if there was a Galaxy Quest moment. And I said, yeah, I know. And Jay Winter wrote to yeah, me yeah. and said, there's a Galaxy Quest moment. And that was, of course, what I thought of as soon as they showed the thing. And I went, ah, chompers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole scene where Scotty accidentally gets transported into a holding tank or whatever right. it is. And he gets shot through these little tubes and he goes up there. It's like, why was that in the movie? I mean... <laughs> Is so that what J.J. Abrams does? <laughs> yeah, it's just like he puts in these weird comedic bits for no reason. Well, I thought there was more than one galaxy moment. I thought Kirk running away from the giant oh, monster. That was much, <laughs> yes, that like the rock monster. Um, and also, I have to say, as far as comedy goes, McCoy continually injecting him with hypospray. That was funny. That was funny, but I swear to God, and I wrote this in my notes, McCoy's hypo seems to be more like a staple gun. <laughs> He just kept sticking it in his neck. I know. <laughs> like, Ow, stop, stop it. it. <laughs> that was really good. But speaking of Galaxy Quest, I'm just going to interject mm-hmm. this. Last night, I have I didn't know this. Rotten Tomatoes has a TV show. Really? Yeah, where they review movies, but mostly oh, they they get other people. You know, they go uh-huh. to people who just came out of the movie theater to talk about it and everything. And Star Trek got a 95% approval rating, Ooh. which was very good. But then they did a little segment on... The five coolest spaceships in all of mm-hmm. science fiction. The Galaxy Quest ship was <laughs> It was like number five. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> um, I will mention at this point that there is a new Galaxy Quest DVD out. I checked this out, and mm-hmm. for some reason, maybe because the Star Trek movie was coming out, they decided to re-release it, so I'm going to buy it because it's not very expensive. But it's got five mini-documentaries on it. 
and some other stuff that wasn't on the version that oh, you and wow. I both owned. So I'm going to get that and just, you know, whatever. It'll be okay. fun to watch it again. But yeah, definitely. Um, the, I'm trying to remember. There were some other Galaxy Quest moments in it as well. I knew there was another one and I can't come up with. Oh, well, heck, when Sulu's trying to, to go into warp. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was waiting for the ship scraping along the side, but they didn't do that. Nope, they did they not did do the, that. They forgot to take off the emergency brake instead. Yes, yes. So let me look at my list. Okay. And see, do you have other things you want to? I have just like a whole bunch of stuff right Oh, down. so do I. Well, um, let me see. Most of mine are, are um, very specific about about the characters, which I don't know that we're ready okay. to get off, well, get yeah. onto yet. But I want to just point out a couple things. Okay, and then I have a thing that that's just a, a point of order that we need to clarify. So. Okay. Did you notice that Kirk hung off the edge of things three times? Yeah, I did actually. And that was too much. Yeah, it was. There was a lot of punching in this movie. More punching than I would associate with, you know, a futuristic space episode. Mm-hmm. And that seemed odd to me. You know what? It's part of what has now become the standard, I won't even say hero, protagonist thing in adventure and action movies. I swear, it's, it's, it's sort of infested by Fight Club. That's part of how you prove your manliness is by... By punching? By punching it and being punched. I guess so. I, it just seemed like in, in many situations there was far more hand-to-hand combat that there, than there should have been. Mm-hmm. Like, I totally get that um, there would have been hand-to-hand combat when they land on the drill and they take the weapons mm-hmm. away from the Romulans. Okay, that makes sense. But when they're actually in the Romulan ship and Kurt's having, Kirk is having a punching match with Nero's right-hand man, mm-hmm. why? why? Why didn't the guy just push him off the edge? <laughs> well, and here's the other thing. Okay, this was one thing. You know, most of the, the plot holes, I'm just riding along. I'm pretty happy. Mm-hmm. But this one really did momentarily throw me out of the movie. Captain Pike says, who here is trained in armed combat? One guy? Yeah. What have they been doing at Starfleet Academy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One guy puts his hand up. Jeez. Okay, did Spock say, Neota? Or Nyota. He said Nyota. I know. I was. I saw that and I was like, come on. Yeah. At least he didn't call her knee because that would have pissed me off even more. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. I figured out. Yeah. Who Finnegan was in the movie. Oh, tell me, please. <laughs> he didn't get to punch Kirk. He sure as hell did. Oh. He was Cupcake. <laughs> it was Finnegan on steroids. Without an Irish accent. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I'll have to think about well, that. Well, you know, they still had a grudge against each other. Oh, yeah. I know. See, I figured that okay. one out. But here's the thing that we have to get this settled now. What are we going to call the two different Spocks? Okay. I've been following the discussion on ASC because oh, okay. they've also been discussing what's the abbreviation for this, yeah. this new new thing. And... Uh, um, also, in um, not just on ASC, but on uh, uh, Trek Today mm-hmm. and everything, and I think it may even be in the script this way, Old Spock. Old Spock. See, I don't like no, that. No, no, but that's what I, yeah. I, I'm saying right now. Okay. Old Spock is referred to as Spock Prime. I've seen that in other places, and I think that's stupid, so I'm not going to so use do I. that. I was thinking it was more like Coke, so it's Spock Classic and, and New Spock. <laughs> I was thinking Classic <laughs> as well. So... 
right? Spock mm -hmm. Classic and New Spock. Okay. We could also do it the way... Old Spock and Little Spock. Oh, I mean, that that's... could be good. <laughs> um, but the way they do um, uh, the chicken at KFC, so there's original mm -hmm. and then there's Crisp. extra crispy. Right. So it could be original Spock and extra crispy Spock. <laughs> Except I don't think this one is extra crispy. No, well, you know, that's just how they Speaking do. of Spock, though. Yeah. Okay, let's get into characters a little. I thought th that he moved like Nimoy, yeah. which was, was very, very cool. But his voice is substantially higher. Yes. And at the end of the movie, when they're all on the bridge of the Enterprise again now, he had, I don't know, like two, three sentences. And I thought they had sped up the soundtrack. <laughs> his voice sounded so high to me. So that's kind of a... a he looked to me kind of like, Spock's nephew or Spock's cousin or something, but not exactly Spock. But here's who he does look like, uh -huh. and I know all the Spock people are gonna like send me Rotten Tomatoes in the mail. Uh -huh. His features are not as angular as Nimoy's, correct? Yeah, and particularly the shape of his nose. Uh -huh. I think he looks like Milhouse. <laughs> I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. He does look a little... He, did, look pla he did not look plastic like I was no. worried about in all those no, no, no. still shots he, we had he seen. Looked, he looked normal. Now, um, I, I blogged this, but it came out in interviews that um, Zachary Quinto was not able to do the Vulcan salute. Yes. So, unlike Bill, who used fishing line, he actually super glued his fingers together. <laughs> but it was not the super glue that you use to super glue your vase back together. Mm -hmm. It is surgical super glue, uh -huh. and it can be peeled off without removing your skin. I think they should have just super glued his fingers like that for the whole movie. And the rest of his life. Yeah. Well, in that case, they could have just stitched. Yeah. Well, that's true. You know. They could have done that. Yeah. Uh, 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 uh. I'm just looking over my notes to see if there is... Uh, Oh, well, here's just one other interesting thing before, yes. just kind of fun thing. One of the threads I was sort of looking at this afternoon on Trek BBS was they had a thing called um, Facts About James T. Kirk, mm -hmm. and it was in their new forum for the movie. So they they were talking about this this um, James T. Kirk. Oh, no, I'm sorry, wrong thing. They, this was in their thread on TOS references, mm -hmm. you know, some of them the big ones, and some of the little ones you didn't pick up. I didn't pick this one up. Kirk used a Saurian brandy bottle to hit the guys in the bar. Really? Oh, I didn't notice that at all. I didn't oh, notice that see, either. See, stuff goes by too fast. Oh, I know. So, um, apparently there was a Tribble. Yes, someone and pointed that out. It, that was, it, was, it was where Scotty was. Yes, and that Vega. it purred when he showed up. Yeah. Um, and what was the other thing? Oh, see, I totally missed the chapel line. Oh, I heard that. I didn't. Just he just went, I need chapel. We never saw her. Yeah, or so, if we saw her, she was not identified as yeah. as such. So I didn't get that. Um, I loved that the guy who went down with um, Kirk and Sulu was a red shirt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he had a name, though. But, yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> it was like Olsen. Hansen. Or Olsen. Olsen something, something like, like that. that. But, yeah. He was a cousin of Marjorie's. <laughs> he should have known, man. He's the only red shirt that goes down with them. Yeah. How do they not know? He's not coming back. Um, what? And why did they... Okay, another plot hole. Only one guy gets to carry explosives? Yeah, really. What's up with that? Yeah. That's stupid. Um, I just totally lost what I was going to say. It was another complaint. Oh, you know, lens flare. <laughs> there is a video on the web now. Have you seen it? No. It says, I made old Star Trek look like new Star Trek. <laughs> and what they did was they, they sort of um, did like a preview for the Space Seed episode, uh -huh. but 
they changed all the backgrounds and put in a whole bunch of lens flares. <laughs> it was very distracting because for the first half of the movie, I thought that there was a light in the theater that was shining oh. on the screen. And I was like, where is that coming from? And I'm looking around and I'm kind of like squirming in my seat. And then eventually it was like, oh, that's art. Yeah. It was distracting. I, I didn't like it. Well, yeah. But I was glad that the inside of the Enterprise was shiny and well lit. Mm-hmm. Yes. Instead of dark and dire and, and all of that. I agree. I still think it looks like the inside of an iMac, though. Well, it does. It does have a very Mac look, and I love yeah. that whole thing about Ikea. It's got a very <laughs> Ikea look, it does. too. Dave. I love Dave Campbell. So <laughs> funny. Now, one of the characters who was completely different from what he is in canon, mm-hmm. and I'm still going to call old stuff canon. Mm-hmm. I just That's part of my vocabulary, um, is Captain Pike. Yes. And I loved Bruce Greenwood in this. And part of what I loved about it, I realized this later, is he was very much like I imagine Captain Garovic mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. And so this was one of my disappointments in the movie. My big disappointment was I don't feel we saw any change or growth in Kirk. I agree. And it's too bad because I have always thought, as important as Garovic was to Kirk, that he was certainly a... Uh, uh, played a, a very active role in making Kirk the man he was, mm-hmm. in polishing this diamond in the rough mm-hmm. that Pike sees in Iowa and sees this great potential and, you know, sort of bullies him into Starfleet. <clears throat> we see him three years later, and apparently he has learned nothing, maybe a lot of stuff, but certainly nothing about himself yeah. or self-control or anything else. And he's still that way at the end. Mm-hmm. So I was really sorry not to have seen almost a, a father-son interaction of Pike and Kirk and to see some of that rub off. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I got to say, I thought it was very clever about him ending up in the wheelchair in the end. That yes. Was just like, ah, I can't believe they did that. Beep, but, beep. Yeah, yeah. But, but he, so that was interesting that he lived, you know, yes. intact and everything. Mm-hmm. That was good. Um, just the way, you know, Sarek lives at the end, and Spock mm-hmm. is still there at the end, which is crazy. Yeah. I don't know what the hell they're going to do with that, but that was very interesting. But, um, well, let's talk about Kirk, okay. because I think that is the the biggest issue. It's, it's the crux point. It is the crux point. Okay, so here's what I wrote in my immediately afterward notes. Yeah. Pine has no uniqueness. Mm. Even with a sex scene and basket on the bridge, he didn't give me a tingle. Um, the only time... He directly invoked Shatner, and it did make me smile, was after he took command. Mm-hmm. Um, the for, I, for real, I mean, not in the battle, mm-hmm. but they promoted him, so it's his ship. Um, when he's come around the chair, he said, Bones, and he popped it, popped the B the way Shatner did. And then he sat in the chair and did the Shatner leg cross. He did the Shatner leg cross. I noticed that, and I was right. like, yay. But... I wrote that he was, he was overboard on the pussy hounding. And other things that Bill would have played in a more subtle way. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, okay, he's drunk in the bar, and that's what I'm thinking of is the diamond in the rough. That is not the way Bill's Kirk, even young Kirk, would have tried to pick up a woman at all. Mm-hmm. But then three years later, we see him, and he's going, hello, ladies. And I'm going, okay, Bill would have either just said, hello, ladies, and we would have known what he was thinking, or he would have just cruised him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that that's part of what you know, just, oh, and here's what I wrote. 
I hope he will settle down and realize that although the dial goes to 11, you can use the lower numbers too. <laughs> um, Bill always has and continues to surprise me with his acting choices. And except for a couple of times, Pine played this standard Hollywood young hunk style. Consequently, it was up to the script director and other actors to impress us by being impressed with Kirk. Exactly. That's and exactly that is a prop Bill never needed. So that's the thing about Kirk in this movie is that everybody talks about how talented he is and how smart he is and how capable he is. It's all telling. There's no showing. Mm -hmm. You never see him show any of that stuff that people are talking about. The one time he does, when he puts it together, that the Romulans were at, at mm -hmm. the Klingon place and then they're there. That's like the one time when he shows that he's actually smart, mm -hmm. like he could put things together. But for the rest of it, there's, there's no there. Right. And the thing that appalled me about Starfleet then making him a captain, jumping him, I don't know, three, four grades, yeah. and giving him the ship is I'm going, okay, a person with a ton of ability and a ton of attitude is one of the worst people to have in an sure. organization. Yeah. And the thing is, this Kirk um, maybe has all the smarts and all the ability they kept telling us about, but he has no leadership qualities. No, not at all. And I could see people obeying him because, okay, it's been proven that the son of a bitch is always right, but not loving him and putting their lives on the line the way they consistently did in TOS. Yep. And I think that speaks directly to... Um, the different thoughts Bill and Chris have about who Kirk is. Mm -hmm. I mean, Bill based his on his concept of Alexander the Great, mm -hmm. a, a leader of men. Chris Pine based his on Han Solo and people like that who are smart mouth and really good at what they yeah. do, but they aren't leaders. They no. aren't commanders. No, not at all. And I was really hoping we were going to see Kirk, some growth in that area that he would learn that he needs that crew. Mm -hmm. He needs those officers, and, and he needs to learn how to command, not by just bullying somebody out of that chair. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I thought that um, in the scenes where Spock is captain of the ship, briefly, he shows much more captainly behavior. You know, he, he's the one who's coordinating everything. He's making sure everybody's doing their jobs. He's taking information. He's assimilating it. He's doing what Kirk did. Yeah. In, in TOS, that where he was, you know, the center, the decision maker, but everybody else was expert at, at the thing. And, and mm -hmm. he would listen to what they had to say. He might not agree with it, but he would always listen to what they had to say. And I thought Spock was great doing that. I mean, he seemed yeah. very much the captain. And, uh, you know, that that's it. I, I could see people following him mm -hmm. and and trusting him that he would do the right thing. But I don't see them trusting that Kirk to do the right thing. Yeah. Now, they made one huge mistake, I thought, with Spock in the leadership role. And they did it with a couple other characters, but to me it was really blatant with Spock. He gets up, leaves the bridge, leaving Chekhov, the 17-year-old in charge, <laughs> yeah. so he can personally go rescue his parents. Yeah. That is not the command thing. Yeah. I mean, given that things are different here, that to me was so core to Spock that it, it really threw me and I felt they um, they undermined Uhura's character by having her do the same thing twice just get up and run off the bridge to go yeah. smooch with Spock in the turbo lift and, mm -hmm. and kiss him goodbye when he goes on the transport yeah. I'm going doesn't she have any duties you don't get up 
and run out. In the middle of a crisis situation. But then yeah. I was thinking, hey, you know, this is kind of like in Wrath of Khan where um, Scotty's nephew dies and Scotty makes a point of saying... <laughs> he brings him up to the bridge. Yeah, <laughs> but Scotty makes a point of saying he stayed at his post when the other trainees ran and I said, so everybody here is a trainee and so poorly trained they don't understand the concept. Chekhov gets up and goes running off to the transport. I know. I was, I was thinking of that while I was watching the movie. I'm glad you reminded me that people seem to be leaving the bridge an awful lot. Yeah, and... and on their own yeah, say-so. Just, just like goodbye, not yeah. even asking permission or saying where they're going. No. Just getting up and leaving. Yeah, that, that was definitely a, a problem. Now, I don't think any starship captain would put a person in a little shuttlecraft and send them off the ship just because they were annoyed. I think they would put them in the brig. I know. <laughs> well, I thought he was going to say, get him off my bridge. Yes. Not get him off my, my ship. ship. So, yeah, in the real world, you would just put that person in the brig, right? You mm -hmm. wouldn't actually eject them from a ship where they might possibly die right. in a crash. I mean, how does he know what's going to happen to Kirk once he, he gets fired off the ship? Mm -hmm. What if something happens to him? Yeah. <laughs> See, it, it almost would have made more sense if they had come up with some reason why Kirk, in order to prove his point, whatever his point was at that point... <laughs> Um, at that crux yes. point, were to steal a shuttlecraft, yeah. and the shuttlecraft's out of gas, and he crashes yeah, yeah, up, exactly. and he meets Spock in a cave. Yeah. Yay, I loved it that they were in, in the cave together. That yes. made me laugh and laugh and I laugh. got to tell you, though, I got really teary when Nimoy first showed up, and I swear, through probably the first full minute of that scene, it was just... It was so good to see him. It was. And he's so good. He I is. Mean, he still just inhabits that character mm -hmm. in so many ways. And, and even now, you see how that character has grown since the last time we oh, saw yeah. him. You know? And you just see in him all the stuff that's happened to, to him, to Spock, over, yes. you know, the hundred years or whatever. And Wildcat brought that up, too, in an email. She said something about, you know, she thought um, that uh, Nimoy as Spock... I, well, I could read it because I printed <laughs> it out. Because uh, she said it really well as she says everything. Ba, 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 ba. Do, 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 do. Oh, well, I can't find it. But she was saying, you know, that he, he was different. But she said, but, you know, Nimoy has always allowed that character to grow mm -hmm. and, and to change and to respond. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it it was so interesting to see him and Quinto together um, in that, that scene that they had because um, one of the things that I love about the way the Spock character has changed over time is that he's just become much more accepting of his human part. And Quinto Spock is still at a stage where he's not. Right. I mean, it, it's still a struggle for him to figure out how that works, whereas Nimoy Spock is just... He's very at peace with himself. He's mm -hmm. very zen about the way things are and has his sense of priorities and everything. But it, its he's just so much more comfortable as Spock. And mm -hmm. you see that that's where Quinto Spock is going to get to eventually. Maybe. Maybe maybe not. I mean, you know, whatever happens. But, yeah. That, Quinto that Spock really is already uh, well on that path. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think he's going to go through the shouty Spock phase. No. I don't think so. Don't think he needs to do that. But it was, I have to say, at the very end, when when Quinto, when Spock says Sarek, and it turns around and it's, it's Spock, I was like, oh, 
I, I, I had another one of those moments because I totally didn't expect that to happen. Yeah, and, yeah. And the fact that Spock basically lied to Kirk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was I awesome. Really when when uh, little Spock said, <laughs> you lied, I really thought he was going to say I exaggerated, yeah, and he didn't. He but, didn't. You know. it, was, it was almost there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was great. That was really, yes. really good. So it, it's, Also, that without overplaying it at all, Nimoy registered just the right amount of Vulcan surprise when he first met young Kirk and said, you're not the captain. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, that was very good. Um, one of my, my Norman coordinate moments, though, was, <laughs> you know, there's this series of things in the movie where Spock is recognizing people. It's like, oh, you're Montgomery Scott. And I'm going, no, it's not. It doesn't look anything like him. <laughs> Because, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. okay, stop, stop. Just stop thinking that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay. So um, I wanted to read uh, a couple of Killa's comments. Oh, I had seen posted. Yes, yeah, she just posted this to her live journal. It's very short. Um, she says, uh, need some time to process. Weird. The whole experience was weird. Good, but weird. <laughs> so she says, new timeline, Kirk, never went to Tarsus. Apparently. Apparently. So we don't know. They haven't said anything about it, but probably not. Mm -hmm. um, she says, is it just me or is the slashiest thing in this movie the fact that it never occurs to Spock Prime that he should ask permission to initiate the mind melt with Kirk? That really made me go, whoa, because that means he and Kirk are past the point of needing permission or even thinking about it. And wow, I mean, I read that in fanfic a few times and that nummy moment in Strangers from the Sky, but seriously. So... He, yeah. he, I, I hadn't thought about it that way, but he is pretty uh, casual about it, especially given that this Kirk doesn't even know what he's talking about. Right. He doesn't explain it or anything like that. He just says, here, let me tell you, and he puts his hand on him. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's just very like, this is the right thing to do, and I'm going to do it. Whereas, you know, throughout TOS... Every time there was going to be a mind meld, there was like this huge production around it. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is what's going to happen, and don't be afraid, and blah, 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 blah. And there was none of that here. He just like, whoosh, did it. Uh, well, and, and I, yeah, you could say it's slashy, but I also attributed it to that um, Spock is so used to, mm. to not having to explain that to Kirk that he totally forgets this is a, a different guy, and I have to... To go slow. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I didn't see it as slashy either. But right. it's an interesting point that she brought mm -hmm. that up. The way that they, they did that. Um, she also says, Carl Urban, sexiest scruffy McCoy possible. That's not actually a question. I just felt like it should be said. <laughs> <laughs> I loved Carl Urban. I did too. But for half like, the movie, I kept thinking he was Gary Mitchell. He did look like because he looked Mitchell. so much like him, and especially at the, the, the I don't Looking know, the first the time they met, window. he was so Mitchellish. Oh, it was so Mitchell, but he was great. He was really he awesome. was he was really good. And I also thought Simon Pegg was oh, so he was wonderful good as Scotty. I loved him. So one of the things I love about his portrayal of Scotty, even though he was the plucky comic relief, mm -hmm. um, a la Galaxy Quest, yes, uh, was that. He did an excellent job of switching between being sort of amusing and quirky mm -hmm. to, like, straight out total geek. When he's talking about the, the trans warp thing, yeah. he's just, like, right into that deadly serious techno babble, and it was so good. He carried it off so well. It was just like, this is the way he is. I want to read you a comment from someone else about Scotchy. <laughs> this, it, I thought, um, let's see. Remember Randy Landers? Oh, yeah. Okay, this is what Randy Landers has to say about Scotchy. 
outside of the trouble with tribbles. I never saw Scotty as comic relief, let alone as an overly proud deus ex machina used to solve every plot contrivance thrown at our gallant crew. Uh, <laughs> and here comes our own little our plot contrivance. Dog. Hi. Hi, Jack. That was weird. So I'm thinking, Randy, did you ever watch what? that show? <laughs> he watched a different show than we he, did. Yeah. Because Scotty was comic relief in almost every episode. And, 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 he, he and always being able to machina. change the laws of physics, yes. no matter what he said. Definitely. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he, I thought Simon Pegg was really, really good. I thought he was, too. So, I was really good. He was, to me, he was the most on-target characterization. Mm. Now, yeah, he, he was, you know, much more energetic and upbeat than Scotty. But like you say, he played the geek so well and was obviously so in love with mechanics and things like that. I can see him in a few years going, oh, my poor bears, you know, just yep, totally. no longer seeing the humor and excitement in being shot at. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, I'm losing my train of thought. It's all filled with Trek. Norman okay. Courtney. Yeah, I was like, uh, uh, my brain's not working anymore. It was going to be about Scotty, and it was going to be, um, oh, I loved his scene where uh, Spock revealed to him the equation that he was going to come up with. Mm-hmm. He played that really, really yes. well. I mean, it was it was the perfect combination of sort of like surprise and delight. And of course, it was like this. Right, oh, right. Why didn't I think of this before? It's great. Well, and I love too when. Um, he he said something like, "I've never beamed two people to two different places at once before. That was pretty good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was great. That was really good." Oh. So let's talk about Uhura. Oh, okay. Okay, I have some problems with her. Okay. First of all, way too skinny. Yeah. The whole idea of having sex with somebody like that squicks me out. But here's the thing. The lines they gave her in the bar. I could see. Nichelle Uhura saying that, but not in such a cutting way. Mm. She didn't, to me, have that warmth and just general elegance mm. that Nichelle had. And then, yeah, Kirk's drunk. You know, you, you do want to brush him off. Um, but three years later, she still won't tell him her name. Yeah, That's just stupid and petty. And how hard would it be to find out yes. at that point? Well, yes, of course. And as I said earlier, I really thought it sort of undermined the character to have her always go chasing after Spock, mm-hmm. even though he obviously enjoyed it. But um, also, Uhura, in the original series, could fight. Yes. And this one stands by in the bar fight going, guys, guys, stop I, I it, stop it. That was, I didn't like that. No. I definitely didn't like But that. here's a really funny thing. Somebody on one of the boards referred to the girl Kirk was getting it on with uh-huh. in that dorm scene as an Orion slave girl. <laughs> and I was talking to Wildcat, and I said, I don't think the, the, the Starfleet allows slaves. I mean, at the Academy, what, do they issue everyone their own slave? Did, you know, really? Uhura have a slave? And Wildcat says, she freed her. <laughs> <laughs> so she is Uhura's... Orion, ex-slave she's girl. She's indentured servant, is yes, what she is. Yes. She's just so grateful for being freed from mm-hmm. whatever. 
Orion's I also girl. wish her had not pointed out that Kirk was a mouth breather because all through the rest of the movie yeah. I was so aware of that. Yep, it's true. Now, let's talk about the Kobayashi Maru. Because I wish, listeners, you could see the huge eye roll. I swear, that was probably my biggest disappointment. Yeah, that was really bad. Because as they were leading up to it, mm-hmm. I mean, they, the, the way he handled it, the, what he did with the apple, that was crap. That was absolute crap. But when they got to the honor court, I was like yeah. clutching my seat arms going, oh my God, Here they're finally going to show it. And, and I really thought they were going to go with my explanation. Mm-hmm. And they didn't. It was very frustrating. So, listeners, if you want a serious, thoughtful story about what happened in the Kobayashi Maru mm-hmm. and why Kirk did that, you should go read my story. Yes. Which is called Something Within. What Lies Within. Yes. It's a great story. I, 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 I tell you... The more different variations I see on what people think Kirk did with that, the more impressed I am with myself. <laughs> well, it was it was just so frustrating, first, that what he did was so uh, over the top mm-hmm. that it was basically like, oh, I'll just press the reset button and not really take this very seriously at all. Right. And that he would be such an asshole about it while he's actually taking the test. Yes. That was the thing, is that he just acted like a total dick. Mm-hmm. I, it, like, how can you be at Starfleet and, and not get busted down for that kind of behavior? I mean, you cannot act like that. You can't right. be a dick. And this is part of what I think, this is where I think they sort of ran off the cliff with trying to make it really clear to us, this is a new world. Because I felt at least the first quarter of that movie every time Kirk showed up that they had the intent of making it really clear to us this isn't your Kirk so the first time we see him not when he's a little kid which I hated that scene but okay he's in a bar he's sloppy drunk he's picking up a woman trying to in a very crude way then he gets in a bar fight where he gets his ass kicked yeah and then we see him talking to Pike with two wads of Kleenex hanging out of his nose yeah so it was like they, they totally set out to strip him of all the traits we have come to associate with mm-hmm. him. And I was going like, okay, because great, we're going to see the growth into this. And then we didn't. Nope. He was still a stupid dickhead. Yes, I agree. And, you know, I in that scene in the honor court, I couldn't figure out who J.J. Abrams wanted me to identify with. Because... I got the feeling he wanted me to identify with Kirk, which is ridiculous. I mean, you can't because he's an asshole. Yeah. And because he cheated. He cheated. Yeah. And he didn't cheat in a clever way or a way that was meant to prune anything. He cheated just because he didn't he didn't feel like taking the test, mm-hmm. basically. Or he didn't feel like losing. It or his explanation was the Kobayashi Maru is a cheat, so I cheated back. Yeah, it's like, that doesn't do <laughs> what? it. So I was totally identifying with Spock, who was like, no, the point of this test is to, to teach you something. Mm-hmm. And I'm I, like, I'm not sure because they almost presented Spock's attitude kind of like he had a stick up his butt 
about it, mm -hmm. but he was right. Well, and this is the thing. I definitely got the impression that Kirk had gone all the way through these years at the Academy with people trying to teach him things he needs to know yeah. and him refusing to be taught. And yet they're all still like, oh, this guy is great. Yeah. You know? Exactly. So that was just so frustrating. That it part. was. That, that really annoyed me. And just his whole behavior while he was doing, as you say, with the apple and all that. I mean, was that supposed to be charming? Was it, what it, was that supposed to be? It was supposed to be funny. It wasn't funny. No. It, it was just obnoxious. I mean, if there was a real life person who acted that way when you were in the middle of, you know, some big important thing that you were doing at work or at school mm -hmm. or whatever, you'd be like... Fire them. Get well, them and this here. is the thing, is he is pissing all over the seriousness of the test. Yes. And the idea that Starfleet, in addition to just teaching you stuff, is trying to build character. Yeah. And everybody who went through that test and learned something about their own character, it's like he's totally just saying, you stupid shitheads. Yeah. So, yes, very, very, very bad. Mm -hmm. um, so that's another thing. I, I guess I was thinking of um, Chris Pine's portrayal of Kirk and that the one thing he really lacks, uh, it just in terms of the way his character is portrayed, is charm. And depth. Well, that too. But <laughs> you can be charming and still not have depth, and that might have been preferable to not having either of those two things. Right. And I just feel like the character of Kirk has to have some charm to him, some way, somehow, because otherwise he's not Kirk. I mean, that's part of what makes Kirk Kirk, mm -hmm. is that... Well, and I know that. they were going for the idea of he had this, this horrible childhood, but even so, Canon Kirk had this horrible experience of Tarsus yeah. and still grew into the man he was. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, in a way, I was, I was thinking about a, a story Rabble Rouser wrote some time ago, and I think it was called A Good Look in the Mirror. And her premise, it was a mirror universe story, but her premise was basically Kirk is Kirk no matter what. Mm. And so she wrote the whole mirror universe experience as though the Kirk in that universe was still really our Kirk. And that, yes, he did these horrible things, but... He was doing less than the most horrible thing he could have done and was sort of skirting all around Starfleet regulations to make changes from within. And you, you, when I'm describing it, you're thinking, there's no way. And she really pulled it off. She really did a good job with that. And that's kind of what I was thinking about here is Kirk is Kirk, or Kirk has to become Kirk because you could, okay, I am not, trying to diminish Nimoy or Quinto's or anybody's performance as Vulcans. But you can put that hairdo and pointed ears on anybody and it says Vulcan. Mm -hmm. And you can put that image out there and it says Star Trek. But Bill right now is the only one whose characterization is the face of Star Trek. A unique face, yeah. you know? Yeah. That it was done... Without, you know, pointed ears and mm -hmm. things on their forehead and all this sort of thing. And if the new face of Star Trek is just this sort of Han Solo guy. Yeah, it, it's... Uh, I, I was trying to... I was thinking about 
the way this Kirk is in comparison to other people that we've seen from other Star Trek series who mm -hmm. might be comparable. So, um, you know, with TNG, when they started making it, they deliberately reversed the roles of the two characters so that Picard was the more intellectual, kind mm -hmm. of cool, emotionless guy, and Riker was supposed to be the more impetuous guy. Oh, sorry. I just put my arm on the, uh, <laughs> the shuttlecraft there. Oh, it scared me half to death. Um, but... But Riker, I mean, his character grew on me. He he was a mm -hmm. jerk at first, but they, you know, that first couple seasons of TNG was pretty unformed, pretty shaky, pretty yeah. shaky. But but even Riker had a charm to him that came across in his personal relationship with other people, and he mm -hmm. was funny, and you trusted him, and you know, as much as his character was never really given enough to do, having to play second fiddle to you know Jean Luc Picard all the time. <laughs> There, there was something about him that made you understand why he was in the position that he was in. You know, mm -hmm. that he'd gotten that far and that he should have a ship of his own. Like, why is this guy the captain? Yeah. He should have been the captain. And I just don't get that feeling at all from the way, you know, Pine has portrayed Kirk here. That there's, there's no charm to him. There's no, there's no intrigue. There's, there's no depth. There's just hot-headedness. There's just... Uh, the, the, there's no thoughtfulness. Yeah. There's just not anything that's going on. And again, people tell us that there is, but we never see any of it. No. And whatever the direction by J.J. Abrams may have been, I have to lay a lot of that at Chris Pine's feet, you know? Mm -hmm. I just don't feel like he has that as an actor. He can't pull that out. Yeah. It just doesn't seem like it. Like, I've never seen him in anything else, so I don't know what he's capable of. But I, I just, it felt like there were opportunities for him to do that in this movie, and I didn't see it. Um, another thing is, I, I can't remember if this was a video clip of Pine talking or if it was an, uh, something I read. I think it was him talking. No, it was something I read. He was saying that when he got the role, um, you know, he decided he had to watch all the episodes of TOS. And partway through it, he realized he was doing himself a great disservice by doing this because... Um, he said, you know, I didn't want to, you know, just imitate Shatner, you know, the way he walks, the way he talks and everything. I had to do my own thing. And I thought, that shows what an incredibly superficial actor you are, that to you it is all what's on the surface. It is all the physical. And he apparently saw none of the characterization that was going on yeah. there. And that's why I'm saying he, he had... You know, very little variety. I mean, yeah, exactly. He, he played chip on his shoulder. He that's, did. It was that's just what he played. Like one note character all the way through. Mm -hmm. And listen, just as an aside, Maynard, I have to tell you that now having watched several interviews with Chris Pine, I reiterate my original assessment of him as a person that he's pretty stupid. He is. Sorry, he, he is. really is. <laughs> and the one you and I were um, IMing about where he and Pine were being, or he and Quinto were being interviewed, and Quinto's talking, again, very intelligently yeah. about what's going on, and then Pine starts telling a story about his father, who was, was in, in Star Trek, yeah. but he doesn't know what he played, uh -huh. or for sure what episode, what series he was in, and the thing is, as soon as Pine starts talking, Quinto looks down and starts like playing with the tab on his soda can, uh -huh. and every time Pine opens his mouth, Quinto does this like, oh, God, what does he say? And then he corrects him yes. several times. Yes. Oh, God, what an idiot. Yep. <sighs> yep. Not that you have to be smart to be a good actor, but I think it helps. I really do think it helps. I think it helps. So it's just very disappointing that, you know, this is the guy who is the, the, the heart of Star Trek in many ways. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you can't have Kirk or... 
the strong captain, I will say, at, at the heart of what you're doing. Because it could be Picard, you know. Do you know who seemed the most captainly in the mold of of Kirk, or at least what you and I consider a good captain? Who? Is Pike. Yes, I agree. I completely agree. Yes. He was totally in command. He when was totally in command, but he could also sit down and just talk to you person to person. Yeah. No, he was great. Yeah. He was, that's the way a captain should be. And I have to say, in the, the little clip at the very beginning, the guy who's the captain of the Kelvin is also really good. Right. He was great. And he was an Indian guy, too, which was kind of cool. I was like, mm -hmm. yay, multiculturalism. But he seemed very much the captain of the ship and was given orders and people were doing everything, but he takes personal responsibility when it's time to do it. That was great. And, yep. And Kirk in this movie is none of those things. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what they're going to do for the next movie. I mean... Yeah. Yeah, the Enterprise is not the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. In fact, here's what somebody posted. Uh, let's see. It was from Kung, the, uh, the Kung Fu Monkey blog. Mike oh, yes, Sterling yes. sent us the link. Uh -huh. And this Kung Fu Monkey person says, The Enterprise may as well be the only ship Starfleet has. It's a singularity of awesomeness from which no cool <laughs> shit can escape. It's true. It's true. It's very true. And this Kirk is not worthy no. of the Enterprise. Just like what's his name from the beginning of Generations where they run into the ribbon, who's then the captain, Harriman. Oh, Harriman, yes. Was not worthy, worthy. of that totally position. Totally not worthy, no. But Rachel Garrett was. She was awesome. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I love her. She was in that episode for like 20 minutes and she was awesome. Yep. Yep. <sighs> so how long have we been talking? Oh, forever. Probably a good 45 minutes by now. Let's break. Okay. Um, we can come back and do a little bit more and then wrap it up because I, I have more. I, I think we need to do another show about yeah. the movie, frankly. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe we can just talk about a few other smallish things and then the next show that we do, we can just continue the Good conversation. Thinking. So let's just take a break and listen to our lovely little break music and then we'll come back. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Speak up. Comments to lookathisbutt at gmail.com. More fun stuff at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. This podcast recorded on an Apple PowerBook with GarageBand. This is TSFPN.com, the sci-fi podcast network. You've found the best podcasts in the universe. Okay, so now we're back. And um, so I wanted to mention, what, we'll do a brief wrap-up thing here. Okay. But I did want to mention one thing that people may not be aware of, which is that um, there were deleted scenes in the movie, which are going to be on the DVD, so says J.J. Abrams. Mm -hmm. One of them, uh, quite relevant to the plot, is that whatever happened in the 25 years that Nero was out floating around the galaxy? Right. Well, what happened was... What? <laughs> let me tell you. Okay. Um, he got imprisoned on Ruripente. Yeah, I was like, oh! So... And, it, and what about his ship? I don't know what happened to his ship. 
But so in the movie, when Uhura says she's picking up this stuff that's by Romulan, uh, sorry, Klingon territory, yeah, yeah. that's where it was. Wow. So that's what happened. And they actually filmed some of that. And they they get imprisoned there and then they escape and stuff like that. So that was a whole other plot that just didn't make it in. Interesting. Yeah. Um, there were also some scenes that they filmed um, of Spock's birth. And I don't quite know what was in those, but I saw stills from it. Did it happen in a cave? No, no. Thank it was all God. Normal. That was stupid. So I think it was probably just more characterization kind of stuff uh-huh. and not, you know, like plot stuff. Well, speaking of scenes that could have been cut and did nothing to advance character mm-hmm. or story, I think, that whole little kid stealing the car. Oh, that was so stupid. I hated that kid for his phony straw hair. You know yeah. who he looked like? Who? Okay, Spock looks like Millhouse. Did you see Tropic Thunder? No. Okay, well, Ben Stiller's character in Tropic Thunder had previously made a movie that bombed totally where he played a retarded person <laughs> named Simple Jack, and they put a, a yellow straw <laughs> wig on him. And when I saw that little kid, I went, oh, it's Simple Jack. Oh, shit, you know. <gasps> That's so funny. Yeah, that was pretty bad. That was that was a stupid scene. <sighs> they actually showed that in, um, I think it was at the trailer that I saw at WonderCon. And I yeah, was like, I had seen that in a trailer. What the hell? It was just really stupid. Now, I read an interview with J.J. Abrams that was posted to Trek Movie, I believe, Mm -hmm. in which he and some of the writers talked about their original ideas for working Shatner into the movie. And we blogged the the most recent information they've put out. Yeah. So the interesting thing that one of the, I think Bob Orsi, who's one of the writers, had talked about was they wanted to have Shatner in there as a hologram of Kirk. Did mm-hmm. you read this? No, I didn't oh, read okay. that one. So this is, and I actually think this would have been totally awesome because okay. it sounds like a great idea. They wanted to have, um, do you remember in TNG when Tasha died, right? Yes. Data had that little thing with right. her talking. That's what they were going to do. Oh, so that does fit in with what I had heard. Okay, so it was going to be Kirk, and it was going to be him recording a message to Spock because Spock was on Romulo. Well, he was just far away at that time it was before right. he went into the Nexus and all that crap. Um and that he was going to give that to to um, New Spock, so that he could see, you know, what the friendship between Kirk and Spock had been in in the day, because Kirk was going to talk, and then they were going to have the voiceover of Kirk talking about their history and their friendship, go over the closing to the movie, and then over some of the closing credits as well, with Kirk talking about their friendship and and you know how important it was mm-hmm. to be on the Enterprise and all that. See, to me, I don't know, that would have just really driven home that that aspect of this movie didn't work. I didn't really <laughs> see a friendship blossoming there mm-hmm. at all. And um, there was some discussion of this yeah. on uh, the Shatner BBS, and somebody said, you know, it, to me it really seems contrived, and that's really what I feel about it. Oh, I agree, but I think that if, if they had managed to show them Becoming friends, if they had mm-hmm. maybe had a better actor playing Kirk, yeah, that would have been really powerful. And a and a script and a script that, that had yeah. them learning from each other, yeah. And and that was the beginning of the friendship was I think respecting each other, yeah. Not just accepting, okay, this guy's really smart. That's not mm-hmm. that's not it. So that was what they were going to do, and they didn't do it. And mm-hmm. they have not ruled out having Bill be in the next one. Well, that's going to be one of our big topics. Okay. Not just generally Bill being in the next one. One of our big topics for the next show is um, 
what do we think the future of this is going to mm -hmm. be? But we're not going to get into that now. So I will say that. Also, oh, just yes, one more thought on that whole thing about him giving it to young Spock. I really think that would really be tempting fate in a way that I do not believe Spock would risk. It's all, okay, yes, it's a different timeline, but it's almost, okay, you've come back from the future and you know too much now, which is sort of the, the, mm -hmm. the position old Spock is in. He knows a lot. Some of it may happen. Mm -hmm. Some of it may not. And so I would think he has to be very, very careful about what information he yeah, shares. I guess so, but I think he's completely convinced that no matter what, timeline it is that Kirk and Spock are going to be friends. Well, quite possibly, and I mm -hmm. know that is one of the core ideas they're trying to get at, but mm -hmm. I, I still think that Spock would have the wisdom to let that happen organically mm -hmm. without prompting from him. And what would be the benefit of young Spock knowing that this guy's going to be a big friend of his? If, he, if they're going to become big friends, let him become big friends. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Or even... I just thought it would have been cool to have Shatner in the movie. Yeah. You know what else somebody else pointed out? Yeah. At the end when they did um, the Where No Man Has Gone Before thing, mm -hmm. which I thought was great. I love the different meanings they have given that, mm -hmm. you know, in uh, as they've used it in different movies and everything. Um, why wasn't Chris Pine doing that? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, was that the recording they used of Leonard Nimoy doing it at um, the end of three? It sounded the same to me. It did not sound he like He did it voice. at the end of two. Oh, sorry, at the end of two. My mistake. I don't know. I was thinking that. I was wondering that, but I have no idea. His voice sounds different now. Oh, yeah. Because he's older. And it sounded like his voice as it was at the end of two hmm. to me. But I don't know that for sure. Well, I'm sure they had to pay him for it either way. <laughs> <laughs> and that's lot, the most important a lot point. Of money. Um, we blogged about this, or I, I think I did anyway. Uh, well, there were some things associated with the movie. So there was something in Wired magazine that we had talked about with Mike Sterling. Um, and it's now available online, so you can see it. It's a little flash presentation of a, a six-pager, which was pretty good. I, I mm -hmm. kind of like that. Yeah. And then there was a mini-series called Countdown, which Mike mentioned that he really liked, um, which you can buy and which I'm in the process of reading right now. And um, it's very TNG-oriented, which strikes me as odd. It's a totally different take on the Nero character than you get in this movie. Hmm. It's like he's a totally other guy. Like a good guy. Like maybe these were written based on an early script? Could be. But he is the, he's the main character. He's the guy you sympathize with. He's the guy you're rooting for. And I'm only at the second... Yeah, I know. I was like, what? Wow. So I'm only at the second comic, and I don't know what's going to happen yet. But um, it's all about what happened in the future. Mm -hmm. So it's Spock on Romulus and them talking about the um, the star that's going to supernova and what's going to happen and how they try to solve it. And Spock, at where, where I'm reading right now, he goes back to Vulcan. And the Vulcans aren't really happy that he's there. Hmm, that is interesting. Because he was a defector. He went to Romulan. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they're viewing him with suspicion. But Picard is there because he's the ambassador. On Vulcan. Like, Did he become an ambassador? I don't know. It's crazy. So I'll tell you how the rest of that goes after I finish reading it. Um, but it's it's kind of weird. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's interesting though that they dis they destroyed, you know, two two worlds in this really Romulus yeah. and uh, yeah, and Vulcan and Vulcan. Mm -hmm. No more pointy ears. Well, the Romulan Nero didn't have pointy ears. His ears looked like they had been um, cropped cropped <laughs> in a horrible uh, rice picker. That was it. No, oh, he <laughs> had the rice picking accident. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I heard somebody say horrible transporter accident the other day, and it just made me laugh and laugh. <laughs> well, the thing that made me laugh and laugh, and we just blogged this, I think, either yesterday or today, is um, the comments to Entertainment <laughs> Weekly's review of the movie. This is a disaster. Well, this one said, this movie is an abortion. I know. Oh, that was so funny. <sighs> that just cracked me up. You guys really want to go see what's been going on in the blog for the past few weeks. We have posted so much stuff. And been having just so much fun and just digging out all kinds mm -hmm. of pictures and things to, you know, to fit it. Pouty Kirk. And, yeah, I know. Those pictures you've been posting are awesome. And They're then there, there was, I found one picture of Kirk, like, that was so good that I just had to, had to post it with some comments. It had nothing to yep. do with an article or anything. It was just, he's beautiful. And, you know, I said this on the blog. I'll say it again. I have seen more pictures of Bill. For the movie. Yes. <laughs> then I have a Chris Pine for the movie. Mm -hmm. It's hilarious. He's everywhere. Every time there's an article about the movie, there's a picture of Bill. Yes. And the thing is, it's, it's amazing to me how there is so much open awareness now of what a huge part of our mythology Star Trek is. Yeah. And for the New York Times to have had three Trek pieces yep. in their um, Week in Review section... That's great. Just, it just freaked me out. And, and you know, the whole thing about the, the bromance mm -hmm. and, you know, what has, what has Kirk meant to us. And I think it's interesting. Everybody, it sounds like, was really expecting a change in Kirk. Yeah. But I wonder if those same people are sort of shocked at the changes in Spock. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen much about that. No. In, in commentary or criticism. Um, let's wrap this up, but before we go, I want to just briefly talk about the clip that we posted of Bill watching the trailer. Oh, God. Because <laughs> we both thought it was so funny. Yes. So Bill was on uh, some TV show, Access Hollywood or something like that. This was a couple weeks ago. And um, the reporter showed him right there the trailer for the movie. I think the one that was on TV at that time. Just to get his reaction. So the camera's on Bill as he's watching. You can't see what he's watching, but you can hear it. And so he's like, okay. And so he sits there and he's watching it and, you know, his face kind of, he's smiling a little bit. I thought he was very carefully controlling his he, face. He it's kind of like waiting for your name to be called or not called at the awards. Yep. And, and I could see, um, knowing some of the stuff in the trailer when the ships were going by, he would kind of looked happy about that. Like, oh, mm -hmm. that's interesting. And then um, the reporter starts asking him some questions. And he basically says, looks great. Now let me tell you about my book. <laughs> <laughs> about Kirk and Spock at the Academy, yes. <laughs> it was awesome. It was so Bill. It was great. I mean, as you said, he didn't miss a beat. It yep. was just like, looks great, but let's talk about my book about right. Kirk and Spock at the Academy. Bill knows his job. He knows why he's on these shows. Oh, it's so funny. And he's not there to promote a movie he's not in. <laughs> and he managed to do that, like... 
he, he was enthusiastic and yet dismissive at the same time. <laughs> I know. Looks great. <laughs> but the looks great wasn't fake. I mean, no. when he said it, it was just like, yeah, it looks great. Now we're going to talk about me. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I love it. I just love it. That's our guy. It was awesome. So you should all watch that if you haven't mm -hmm. watched it already because it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So let's just say, let us know what you thought about the movie. Do you agree with what we thought? Do Absolutely. Do you have different differences of opinion? Are there things that we missed? We want to know what you think. That's right. So um, let's say goodbye for now and in the next show, more about the movie. And other stuff. And other stuff.